Welcome to episode 255 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast topic this week, we're going to chat a little bit about the Redwood Genome Project, uh, which is an endeavor to understand the redwood on a genomic scale in order to better protect and restore uh, the forests. So this project was launched by the Save the Redwoods League, and it's uh, a little bit involved understanding why, you know, uh, the, the first question that may come to your mind if you hadn't heard of this before is, you know, why would we need to understand trees at the genomic level? I mean, we've heard of precision medicine for humans where specific diseases can be pinpointed to, uh, you know, areas uh, uh, in our genetic code. But uh, but why would we need to do this for trees and, you know, sort of what, what are the implications of that? Um, so, so this is a multi-year effort uh, to sequence both the coast redwood and the giant sequoia genomes. And just to give you an idea, um, the Human Genome Project costs, you know, close to $3 billion to do. This was back in, you know, when Bill Clinton was president, basically, in the, you know, in the 90s. And, uh, you know, since then, the next-gen sequencing technology has really brought the cost down, uh, you know, to, um, you know, around $1,000, uh, give or take, and, you know, ultimately we're benefiting, uh, albeit slowly, but we are benefiting from all of the uh, health-related, uh, more pinpoint uh, uh, cures and uh, analysis that's possible as a result of that project. So, uh, you know, just to give you an idea of scale, apparently the, uh, the sequoias are, uh, you know, have 3x the... Uh, uh, genomic material than that humans do, and and the redwoods apparently have ten times the the amount of genetic material. Which uh, you know, with today's technology, you know, it's not um, you know as as big a mountain to climb as uh, sequencing the human genome. But nonetheless, it yeah. is a a tremendous amount of material, and it, it also gives you an awful lot of respect for uh, uh, these you know giant giant trees. I you know, had no idea that their genomes were, were quite, you know, quite so large. I would have taken for granted that the human genome was the most complex. Yeah, that's, that was the, you know, my, my initial thought as well. Uh, so, so why would they do this? Why, why is this, uh, something that would be beneficial? Um, well, you know, in, in order for the forests to, uh, uh, survive in in sort of this this new environment of of climate change. Uh, they need to have genetic diversity. So trees have uh, you know different uh, genetics as as humans do. So so there's there's a broad variety of trees even within the same uh, species, and some are more resistant to things like drought or disease uh, than others would be. And in the past, since, you know, we weren't maybe as aware of these things, when there are reforestation efforts that took place, 
they were specifically, you know, aimed at at a particular kind of tree. So the diversity, the the ability for the species to survive due to that diversity is just, you know, not there anymore uh, because trees of, of one type were uh, were planted as a result of reforestation efforts, and and now genetic diversity is is much lower. Mm-hmm. So both at a a macro scale, you know, sort of the size of these forests, which is vastly reduced, and the micro scale, which is you know the genetic diversity, um, you know this this is different from uh, uh, from an, any other point in in these uh, forests and and trees existence. Uh, you know, these trees have been around, you know, since, you know, for thousands of years, right? Yeah. Long before uh, human beings really uh, were, were quite so dominant a species. So they've been around for quite a long time. And in, either, in order for them to uh, continue to be around, uh, we need to start taking steps to understand these trees better so that uh, forest managers can uh, sort of more deftly manage the tree populations and get rid of, you know, the trees that might need to go and keep and encourage the growth of the ones that, uh, that need to stay. Dirk, when you, uh, took a look at this, this project, what were, what were your impressions and and how did it strike you? Well, looking at the project and, and, you know, adding it to, into it, sort of your, your preamble and your comments here. I mean, I think it all makes sense. It's all logical. It's all sensible. You know, you asked the question earlier about, you know, why would we care about the genomics of trees? You know, or the people might ask themselves, why would we care about the genomics of trees? And looking at it at that level, I mean, I think we should care about the genomics of everything, right? Um, you know, humanity is, for a variety of reasons that often we aren't even consciously aware of, pursuing, you know, knowledge, pursuing growth, pursuing understanding, and Understanding things at the genomic level is one part of that. So now that we're able to, from a powers of 10 perspective, uh, focus in a little bit more deeply, um, we should because it is consistent with, you know, whether our agenda is, oh, someday the earth, you know, way in the future won't be viable to live on. We have to get to the point where we're living on other planets or even if it's more parochial and short term, uh, the fact is the more knowledge and understanding we have of the world, the more successful we'll be in those pursuits. So looking at things on the genomic level just makes sense, whether it's a tree. The better we get it all, the better we'll understand ourselves, we'll understand where we came from, we'll understand where we're going, and you know we can have more agency in, in the architecture of our, our futures. Right. I think the core of the argument there is is correct that, uh, you know, we're sort of opening up this, um, you know, the book of life, right, which is essentially, you know, what uh, genomics is. It's a, a code from which, uh, you know, living things are are able to, you know, reproduce, you know, based on on that on that code. And we're only beginning to sort of, you know, unpack that information. Uh, it's uh, the technology for obviously for for sequencing it is uh, only become uh, plentiful and inexpensive over the, you know, over the past five to 10 years, uh, which means that uh, the accumulation of knowledge o- around genomics is it has just begun. Uh, not to mention, you know, the fact that 
we need, you know, this sort of massive computer storage in order to be able to house all this information and to and to analyze it. And once again, computing technology uh, has sort of become cheaper, faster, better, which is, you know, giving us the leverage uh, yeah. to get into uh, this this kind of analysis only now. Yeah. Um, and and I think we can see. Uh, just from the diversity, really, of genomics-related projects, whether it's, um, you know, the Human Genome Right Project, which is sort of the, the you know, next step for the Human Genome Project, you know, in this case, it's to synthesize uh, a human genome, uh, or in this case, you know, exploring, uh, you know, the, the genome of one very specific uh, plant species, which is, you know, an, an extremely important one. These are uh, sort of at the edges of. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that the the projects themselves are um, obscure, but it's at the edges of what science is capable of right now. And and I think we'll find that the innovation in these sectors uh, is 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 happening at the edges and sort of you know uh, progressing towards the center. And and by the center, I mean like the mainstream. Adoption and understanding of these things yeah. um, in 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 a decade or so, it's not going to be uh, unusual to have uh, precision medicine routines where uh, you are sequenced and your um, uh, your medication is sort of built just for you, just just in the same way, you know, uh, perhaps uh, genomic tools related to uh, planning around landscaping might be a much more uh, common possibility when you think about the way our environment's changing, and 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 we're going to need this sort of uh, action and and planning to take place in order for there to be you know any sort of uh, realistic uh, uh, growth of of uh, uh, you know plants and and the landscape generally speaking. If if we're talking about a a, a major change in in the way our climate is. Um, I, I see these things as as percolating, um, and and uh, you know one of the privileges we have on the show is that we get to dig into these these things. Uh, Dirk, when uh, um, when we talk about uh, genomics and and biology, it really does feel to me uh, like like this is is where the next one wave of innovation comes from, as if the you know we are just seeing the the initial wave and and it's going to crest, you know, in, in our lifetimes. Is that is that the impression that you're taking away from all of this? Oh, I think I think there's truth there. I mean, bi biology, a, a lot of discovery through biology and the leveraging of those discoveries with technology will have massive impacts on on our lives. Will the, the human animal specifically, but then also other things like redwood trees that are important to the ecosystem and have a place in the world and the impact on them in ways that to the average person will be completely invisible will be significant as well. Uh, you know, for me, I, uh, for many years now, I've been less interested in biology in general and more interested in in sort of specific advances in understanding humans, um, particularly sort of a triangulation of, of fields. And I'm going to use the term that's used by the leading journal in the space that I'll call um, psychoneuroendocrinology. So um, the, you know, psychology with neuroscience, with 
you know, endocrinology, endocrine um, sciences, uh, we are really reaching a point of understanding humanity for for all of human history. It's been, um, you know, medicine men. Uh, it's been um, philosophers. It's been armchair uh, psychologists. We are now um, instrumenting and understanding the the rote behavior of humans as as beings, and it's not. It's not in the sort of, um, you know, hand wavy free will, um, rubbish that we're accustomed to. You know, we, we're stupid, predictable animals, just like a cat or a dog or, or something else at the end of the day. Much more complex, of course, but, um, uh, fairly, fairly predictable and fairly understandable. And what's exciting about that, and I'm sure some people would feel demoralized by that. I'm excited about it because it will really allow us to, optimize our systems, our environments, our um, who and what we are as individuals and as a collective to be healthier, to be happier, to behave in more sensible ways that are more aligned with the greater good and the holistic systems in which we live. And so, yeah, biology writ large, like, like massive innovations for sure. But I think the for me, the holy grail in that is the stuff that's at the kernel of humanity. And that is stuff that is being figured out right now, um, understood, operationalized. Um, that's what inspires and excites me. Yeah, I, I know that's uh, an area of focus for you. And, and I think it dovetails nicely with, you know, all, all of the uh, uh, bio and biotech related things that uh, we discuss on the show. I, you know, getting back to, uh, this Redwood Genome Project, uh, I I think there's an opportunity here uh, as we understand sort of the complexity uh, underlying life on this planet, uh, so so much sort of greater than uh, maybe what our initial assumptions might be. Like you know my my naive uh, uh, thought or our naive thought that you know human beings would sort of be the most complex uh, genomic. Yeah. Um, uh, animal. And, you know, when in fact there's, there's a plant and, you know, who knows there, there may be other, you know, other uh, plants or animals with even sort of larger genomes, but, you know, yeah. we don't know. Um, it but, makes me interested. Yes. I, I wonder what, what is the blue whales genome? How does it compare to ours? How about the dolphin? Sure. Um, and, and, and ultimately, uh, by understanding the code that underpins all of us, uh, you know, uh, and 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 life on this uh, on this planet, I th I think there's an opportunity there, uh, not necessarily to uh, you know manipulate things so they're better for humanity, which which of course is sort of you know an end that that uh, you know we'll 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 strive towards you know whether or not it's intentional, but but also to to harmonize right to to have a way of existing. Uh, with with life on Earth, that's maybe a little bit uh, less about destroying things in our wake, and a little bit more about coexisting. And I, I know that's going to be a uh, you know may, maybe that's a, a loaded statement, maybe it isn't, but but it seems apparent to me that that understanding the underpinnings uh, of of genomics in 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 a way you know through the Redwood Genome Project and and others like it. Um, we, we have a better chance of harmonizing our existence here. Amen, brother. Listeners, 
While you're listening to the show, if you hear something that you like, you can go to thedigitallife.com, where we've included links to just about everything that we've mentioned. That's just one L in the digital life. And go to the page for this episode to check it out. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you'd like to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at dnemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 255 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>